How are we doing, Wolfpack Nation? It is Pack Center. I am your host, Austin Paschke, joined by my co-host, Tyler Seth, as always. Before we start the episode, we are going to take... I think it's only right that we take a quick moment of silence, right? I think so, yeah. Definitely. For, for what happened on Saturday. There was a killing and... Um, a murder. And I definitely think we need to take a moment of silence for uh, Wolfpack football. Alrighty. And we can get... <laughs> We can get right into the episode, guys. Thanks for that moment of silence. A little somber on campus today after that Saturday's game. We're going to get into that in a second. A little little sad vibe going around campus, but we are going to be back and better than ever this Saturday. Just the stats coming off this Saturday game against Oregon. Carson Strong was 13 for 25, 89 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. And then they brought on the second strings. Hamish McClure threw, was 3-for-3, three three, threw for 20 yards. It wasn't the best showing with our quarterbacks whatsoever. The O-line did an okay job, not the best. They gave up three sacks in the day. Ultimately, the takeaways from this game aren't good, losing by 71 points. The final score was 77-6. to six. The game started off not the worst game we've ever seen. Uh, we were only down by one point. We held them for their first three drives, ended in, I think, a punt, a turnover on downs, and then another punt. And then we got that punt back that we did. We got that punt back on a muffed punt. So it was looking up. We were only down by a point, and then everything kind of fell off the tracks for our team, letting up eight straight touchdowns. I don't think I've seen that in a long long time it was probably one of the worst games that we've seen as a pack fan tyler your initial takeaways from the game yeah like you said we started out really really well i thought our defense was really stepping up for the first three or four drives that oregon had even they did let in that touchdown on the first four but yeah the first three were all you know we got the ball back so that defense doing their job um, a little disappointing on that muff kick how we did get it down i think it was on like the 12 yard line something like that we can't punch it in I think that would have been a big spark for the team. But getting points, yeah, having it be a, like a 7-6 ball game at one point in the second quarter, really big for Nevada. I think we were all looking up, and then the kind of onslaught of Oregon, they started to wake up, and Justin Herbert started to hit some of the throws that he was missing early in the, the first quarter. So definitely disappointing for Nevada, but um, I think the first couple quarters we showed a lot of grit and then just kind of lost it after that. You look at a game like this, and there's not much to take away from it, but it might be a learning point for the team. Coach Norvell said in his, his post-game press conference today that, you know, it's just going to be a learning curve, and this is a game that they can take under their belt and learn from it, playing a ver- against a very good team in a really, really hard stadium to play in. There's always learning points that you can take away from a game like this, and I think one of our takeaways is just, you know, performing better on all facets of the game. They had way more yards than us. They had, we had 173 total yards on offense. They had 621 total yards. Just something you do not like to see. We had four turnovers, two INTs, two fumbles. Could have been five turnovers, but we got one of those fumbles back. I think the MVP of the game, at least on our side, is again Brandon Talton hitting those two field goals that, you know, at least gave us some offense in this game. Not much to report on. 
I mean, our average yards was 2.8 per play. Oregon's average was 8.4 per play. Just not good at all. You can't win a game when you only are moving the ball 2.8 yards per clip. Also, towards the end of the game, we had a lot of three and outs. We had three possessions where we had one play each, which is not good. We're leaving our defense out there way too long. It just wasn't a good game at all. Our rushing game was almost non-existent as well. Jackson Kincaid, 13 attempts for 52 yards. Obviously, no touchdowns, a long of 11. Kelton Moore, he had, I think, six attempts or eight attempts for 36 yards. No touchdowns, a long of 11. He had one reception for 23 yards. And then Toa Tawa, again, didn't see the ball that much. Only six attempts, 13 yards. At halftime, I was kind of thinking maybe we should put in the second string to not get anyone injured and kind of just take this, lick our wounds, and come back against Weber State. They did that in the fourth quarter, putting in some second strings. Ben Putman, we saw two catches for 18 yards. Dominic Christian, who usually starts the games, he had two catches for 22 yards. Caleb Fossum, four receptions for 14 yards. Just couldn't get the offense going. Like I said, 173 total yards. Three for 17 on third down conversions. I think the only positive that we can take away from this game is that we are playing a not as good team this week in Weber State and maybe losing that bad. I mean, 77 points that Oregon scored ties the most ever recorded at Autzen Stadium. Eight straight drives for a touchdown. I don't understand how that happens at all. I mean, it's probably a combination of a lot of things. I mean, like you said, we left our defense out on the field too long. I feel like that was kind of a big kicker. Oregon running kind of a hurry-up, faster-tempo offense. It's not helpful when your defense is playing most of those snaps. And then you have quarterbacks combining for Oregon for like seven touchdowns. I think Herbert had five. The backup had two. DBs, they saw some good receivers this week and a very good quarterback. I mean, they got to go into the fill room and kind of address what they did wrong too. But yeah, go along your point. The defense was just on the field way too long, especially with Oregon's kind of faster tempo offense. And I don't think if the defense wasn't on the field as long, maybe they would have scored like one of those touchdowns they wouldn't have scored. But at the same time, it's still still kind of a beat down uh, on the pack for sure. It's a hard experience coming into your second game of true college football and play a Oregon defense like this. Carson Strong looked shaky in the pocket, forcing passes when he maybe should have thrown them away, scrambling a lot because of the pressure from Oregon's defensive line. Coach said in his press conference that Carson is a really smart quarterback, and ultimately I think he'll get better from this. It was just a shaky performance overall. And then you saw Hamish McClure come in. It was interesting that we didn't see Solano. Coach Norvell touched on that as well. He just didn't want to push uh, Solano before he was 100% ready. Malik Henry, of course, was out with that strep throat. So we got to see Hamish McClure, who has some playing experience under his belt. He played at Sac State for just a little bit. But one good point that we can take away from this is that our special teams is ranked third in the country for special teams efficiency. That was really good. And also reports indicate that Carson Strong will be our starting quarterback going into Weber State and both Solano and Henry are cleared to play as well. So we might see a little, you know, combined quarterback action, might see Solano in there. We might see Malik Henry in there. I wouldn't mind it, honestly, you know, um, after this week get Solano's feet or excuse me get Carson's feet wet a little bit and then maybe run some kind of different plays with 
Henry and um, Solana, you know, using their legs, you know, their strong points of their game. And even maybe Malik, you know, faking the leg and then throwing a deep bomb like we know he can, you know, with that monster arm. It's going to be interesting. I think they do pull out a couple stops at home against Weber State, you know, get the fans kind of into it, maybe a couple shots in the first quarter. Um, try to get the crowd into it early and then hopefully keep them there the whole time. But yeah, hopefully I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing maybe two or three quarterbacks that we use. You know, I'm not a big supporter of using a lot of quarterbacks in a game, but I think this game, it could really help just kind of show pack fans that we do have a lot of different, you know, weapons and we're ready to use them right now. And we will break down the Weber state contest on Thursday, but for selfish reasons, I would like to see Malik Henry play. I want to see what he can do in a Nevada uniform. I want to see, you know, what that Florida State, like why he was recruited to Florida State and what could have been. I want to see him play just for selfish reasons, but I want us to get the dub as well. Obviously, not a traditional FCS school in Weber State. We've stated that before. They are a very good team. They talked about uh, Coach Norvell and Jake Nelson and Don Peterson all talked about Weber State in the press conference today. They said they were strong, they're physical. But how do we bounce back from an Oregon game like this into an FCS school like Weber State? We can't take them for granted. And I think we do what kind of Oregon did and pull out all the punches and don't stop until, you know, until they throw in the white flag. So how, how do we bounce back from a game, you know, so atrocious like this? I think a quick start's gonna be vital. I think if we don't get off to a quick start, it could be a shaky game for the pack. You know, kind of having flashbacks to when we didn't get off to quick starts in the Purdue game and the Oregon game. Both, well, the Purdue game was close. Oregon game, not so much. But um, I think the pack definitely needs to get off to a quick start. Have the defense make a couple stops. Carson throws for one. Toa runs for one. Quick 14 nothing on the board. I think that kind of gives us some breathing room and then allows Jay to uh, kind of open up the offense a little bit more and then um, maybe test Carson in this game a little bit. Maybe push him a little bit farther um you know to see what he's really made of right now Uh, i think this is going to be a really good test for him if jay does decide to open up the playbook and just kind of let him you know go off and i think it could be a really good game for him maybe like a season impacting game you know he really turns around and does some special stuff but yeah a quick start definitely and then i think i agree with you just keep the pedal down and don't let them you know have any yards don't let them breathe i think that's going to be crucial i think the pack definitely wants to be in that Oregon role when they were against us, you know, have that, you know, very commanding lead and hopefully, you know, march out of Mackey with a 2-1 record. Yeah, I know I know some of the players are upset about the Oregon game, obviously. Don Peterson said, you know, it's something that he personally will never forget, getting beat by 71 points, having Oregon literally dance all over them at the end of the game. They were just laughing, having a good time. It's something that will stick with the players stick with the coaches, but ultimately there's a lot of outside noise right now. All over Twitter is going crazy, and I just think they need to put this game behind them, watch the tape, then throw it away. Lick their wounds, get back on the field. You know, it sounds every game matters, but ultimately this game did not matter. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Like, this game was not a game that mattered. We got our money, we got smacked in the process, and then now we're going back home, and Ultimately, none of the games before the Mountain West competition starts actually matter. But, um, yeah, you would like to see that dub, but it did not happen. Strong will be back, though. He will be starting for Weber State, as reports indicate. But it will be interesting to see how they play against Weber State. Full breakdown of the preview game is coming on Thursday. Let's get into some other sports. Let's get into a happy note, all right? 
men's golf. Love me some golf, you oh, know yeah. that. Oh yeah. Badger Invitational at Wisconsin. They play they play a total of 52 holes. They've good played math right there. Boom, that was quick math. Quick math. They play they played the first 18 over the weekend. Men's golf is tied for 6th place at 3 over par. Not definitely not the worst. They are playing some really good high power teams. The Wolfpack sits just outside of the top five in a 16-team field. So definitely not, they're definitely up there with the rest of the teams. They trail Iowa State by just one shot for the top five spot with 36 holes still to be played. They are playing, I believe, 18 holes today. So we can't give you those live updates, but we will touch on that on Thursday. The Pack carded a team score of 291 on the day. Senior Sam Hearned led the Wolfpack on day one. He had the team's only under par round with a two under 70. He is inside the top 10, too, of uh, 96-player field in a nine-way tie for sixth place. So that is pretty good as well. You like seeing pack players score under par and definitely getting up there in the leaderboards. Just one shot behind the leader. All six-way tie for ninth place. They're just one shot behind the leader, so that's good to see. And then sophomore Trey Davis fired an even par Round of 72 in his first round of the season and is tied for 20th place. So it's good to see the men's golf perform like this, especially because they lost arguably their top two talents over the offseason. But it still is one of UNR's most successful sports. They continue, Like I said, they continue play today and have 36 holes left in the tournament. I know you love some golf, Tyler. I'm going to let you talk about this one for a little bit. Uh, it's interesting to see the pack do so well in golf, especially because these are some big-name schools that we're going up against. Yeah, definitely. I mean, now that I'm retired out of baseball and playing slow-pitch softball on every Monday or so, um, <laughs> golf has kind of taken up a cool part of my life. It's becoming really interesting. I played when I was little. Um, you know, really good to see. We got some kids shooting under par and having even par, and hopefully those only get better as they uh, play the course more. They get to learn the course and see kind of the different strategies that, you know, maybe other teams are using. Definitely going to be interesting to see how they finish, you know, placing, you know, just outside of the top five in a 16-team field right now after the first day is super big for the golf team. Um, like you touched on, we've had a pretty successful golf team in the past few years. So hopefully they can keep rolling, and like I said, as they – play the course more hopefully they can take some of those shortcuts take a couple more risks and then see where they end up um after the you know after this tournament but you know huge props to the golf team definitely something to keep an eye on uh this week as they kind of finish up the tournament yeah it's it's a good note to make that you know wolfpack sports are successful in other sports besides just football and basketball like i said we will give you an update on thursday and how golf is doing and then i want to touch on Maybe a less successful sport in soccer. I mean, not too bad, but they did lose to Weber State in double overtime, making Nevada one in four on the season, also making Weber State one in four on the season. Not the best game that they played, but things are looking up. In five games, we have scored two goals, but we've only let up five goals. So the defense is impressive. This is a young team that all they need to do is start finding the back of the net, and this can be a really successful soccer team. I think we have a lot of potential, but it's up to the coaches to bring that potential out on them. I don't know. What are your takeaways from starting off the season 1-4 and four and 
you know, looking ahead of a really good Pac-12 program of uh, Utah coming to Reno? I mean, it's tough. We're losing all these games by a goal. You know, we could easily flip that around and be 4-1. and one. Right, even with Weber State, it was in double overtime. They were just waiting for that one goal to kind of decide it. So. Easily, yeah. Tough to watch as a Pac fan, definitely. Um, you know, those girls are working hard, and they just want to kind of right the ship of where soccer's been the last couple of years, and all respect to them and props to them. But, yeah, just losing a bunch of close games. Uh, they got to find a way to, you know, squeak out those close games and, you know, put the ball in the back of the net a couple more times. You know, we're not really scoring as much as we would like, but at the same time, um, our defense is playing out of their minds, you know. So we just definitely, as a soccer team, as a women's soccer team, we need to kind of figure out, you know, make a couple tweaks. I feel like that's all they need. You know, they're kind of right on the cusp of winning a lot of games. They just need to make some of those adjustments, maybe last-minute adjustments, and kind of take them from there. But, yeah, easily we could be 4-1. and one. We're 1-4. One and four. Um, and like you said, a very good team in Utah coming to uh, Mackey Stadium to take on the pack. So hopefully they can keep that one close and maybe squeak out a win as well. Yeah, Kendall Stovall is continuing to be my MVP of the season. Our goalkeeper has only let in five goals in five games without virtually any help with, from her offense. She is posting a .844 save percentage. So really good job by our goalkeeper. Stovall is turning into, you know, one of the best and I'm I'm happy to see where she is going and I only think she can get better. But Friday at TMCC, so we're going to do a little change. It's going to be at TMCC in Reno. We are facing the University of Utah. It's going to be a really good game, 6:30 p.m. Get out there and we can see what we can do against a really good Pac-12 program. And then last up, we got volleyball. So last time we recapped, they were set to compete in the San Francisco tournament. They went into that tournament, and they posted a 2-1 record, which improves their record to 4-2 and two on the year, so that's really good to start off the season. They beat Purdue-Fort Wayne three sets to zero, lost to UC Riverside three sets to zero, but then came back and beat the host team, University of San Francisco, three sets to one. Redshirt junior Brianna Sozo has also been named the Nevada Student Athlete of the Week. So she got some recognition for her efforts there. All three games recorded a .348 hitting percentage going 23-46 and with 2.30 kills per set. Also got a service ace and had eight digs on the weekend. Also recorded eight blocks, two solo blocks. So a good game for the Redshirt junior and pretty impressive the way volleyball is starting out. Uh, they started four and two, but they're they're losing. You know, three sets to zero is not a good way to lose. But they are you know bouncing back when they need to bounce back. And next up, they have another tournament for volleyball. It's uh, the Portland State tournament, which starts two games on Friday: Cal State Northridge and Portland State, and one on Saturday: Morgan State. So this volleyball is looking up. Like I said, Lee Nelson in his third year here riding the ship and hopefully they can improve on the record last year they only won one game in conference so while this is non-conference the real important games start later yeah but they're looking up they're looking good yeah it's good to see you know volleyball doing this good early in the season you know taking wins in tournaments that they probably should uh be taking wins in you know staying consistent staying in their zone love to see it uh portland state's gonna be an interesting tournament you know a couple good teams looking like in there 
And, you know, when you got players that are just all over the court doing everything, it's good to see. And, you know, hopefully that camaraderie is there, you know, this time away and kind of traveling. We can both attest to this, me and, you know, Austin being former kind of travel ball athletes. You know, when whenever you're at the hotel with your team, it's kind of a it's kind of a fun atmosphere and you definitely get a lot of bonding down there. So yeah. hopefully, you know, they're kind of doing that during these trips and they keep winning games and that um, chemistry keeps going up and I can only see their season kind of getting better from here. So big shout out to volleyball, you know, keep doing what you're doing and hopefully, you know, make a deep run in a Mountain West tournament or a Mountain West championship this year. Yeah, they have six games left before the Mountain West competition starts. They have these three at the Portland State Tournament. Then they have three more at the Nevada Invitational that will be here in Reno, which will be kind of cool to watch. We have Cal Baptist University, Gonzaga, and Southern Utah all coming to Reno. So that's a high-level tournament coming to Reno. And then we saw start Mountain West play at Fresno State. So this is going to be an interesting team to watch. We might have a really good season under Lee Nelson. And that is all we have for Pack Center today. We will be releasing another episode later in the week, previewing the Weber State game and kind of touching on other sports that have played during the week. So stay tuned for that. Thank you, Pack fans, and go Wolfpack. <laughs>